Welcome to episode 152 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back this week. We've got some more Static Shock. We've got some, uh, some Consequences, Return of Rubber Band Man. Uh, we have the episode we've been waiting for, uh, Romeo in the Mix, the fo- like proper appearance now of Little Romeo. Chris, is this the best cameo appearance by an artist that does a theme song? Okay, I feel uh, I, I feel like I don't know that category of things. Probably I don't you know do anyone else in that category. <laughs> so by so default, yes, this is the best. best. I mean, like if I think of like actors who record their like their own song for a movie, you got to do like basically like the best of Will Smith, which for me is Wild Wild West. Oh, it's for a sure. terrible fucking film, but that song is still an anthem for me. Oh, I mean, the Men in Black original song is is still a work See, of art. Yeah, the Men in Black songs are great. Um, I, you know, I kind of wish he still did that. I feel like didn't wasn't that even a thing people were really hoping he would do for Suicide Squad would be another original song. I think so. Maybe that was in the air cut. That's it. <laughs> they they cut out uh, the entire musical number. Hashtag release the Smith cut. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I hope that there is just like a lost track out there of him singing about the Suicide Squad. So I I have a question for you before we dive into to real things. Um, yes. I, I was I partook in trivia last week, and one of the rounds okay. was Disney trivia. Because what else am I doing with my life? Uh, one of the rounds was name every Disney Channel show where the main character also sings the theme song, which is like seventy percent <laughs> of the Disney shows. I I feel like it'd be easier to list the ones that aren't. That's true. Uh, fish <laughs> hooks. Uh, Wait, what is fish hooks? Fish hooks was a bad show. I don't know why that was the first one that came to mind. <laughs> Are you, are you surprised though? No. The most esoteric show came so, to mind first. So my my question is do any other TV shows have that trend? Um Oh my god. I feel like nowhere near as many. I feel like that's that's I'm, I'm just, just trying Disney. to think of like a non Disney show. I mean besides like uh yeah, Nickelodeon jumped on the trend as well with uh yeah. Drake and Josh and Zoe 101 and Victorious and I mean, Big Time Rush. If we're talking Will Smith, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, that's true. That's true. How can would, I forget Fresh like, Prince? Yeah, maybe like the the best example. But that almost feels like that had more to do with it being Will Smith than that being like a trend at the time. Yeah. But I, I feel like Disney's pretty much like cornered this. I this feel. I, yeah, like, I feel like it. Because like, what was like, the, hey, did Glee have a theme song? I don't know. I've never watched Glee. I've I don't even like remember. Here or there, I, I've touted many times before that I'm not the biggest Ryan Murphy fan, so I mostly avoid his stuff. That's but fair. I've heard that one's better than others maybe which one glee oh yeah the first the first couple seasons are great and then it, i'm assuming like every other one of his shows it just it descends into like really extreme like bdsm torture porn yeah uh, not not as much glee because i was on abc but now there's that whole <laughs> leah michelle thing going on i don't even know what that is oh all of the uh all the black cast members are basically coming out saying that she was a horrible person I'm going to be honest, that doesn't sound too surprising. Not really. No. Uh, no, she she kind of gives off that vibe. Yeah, just, but it wasn't just, it wasn't just her bit. Glee cast. It was like every show she's ever been on. Uh, all of the people of color have been kind of coming out. It's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, 
it's always sad when like someone maybe they're out there people like Lee michelle i don't really care about her but like it's always sucks when someone comes out to be turns out to be a total asshole but it's also totally uh necessary to call these people out mm -hmm. i mean as the time of recording uh right now the whole world is basically like shut up jk rowling for doing this exact thing what okay i saw that this morning what did she did she post something she like i i read the tweets and I honestly like had a hard time even trying to understand exactly what she was saying, but like she seems to be really like st just standing her ground in this totally asinine way, basically saying that trans women aren't real women, like because they're not biological women, like mm. their struggles undermine the struggles of biological women. I think that's what she's trying to say. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And like probably trying to look at this through a logical lens is the first point of failure on my part. Cause it's not logical at all what she's saying. Um, well, I mean, what, totally what's going to happen in, in, you know, two years, we're going to find out that Dumbledore was actually a trans woman <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, she'll just keep retconning things. Like I, it's also just so insanely tone deaf beyond the things she's saying itself. But like she's saying this uh, during Pride, during a like worldwide push for greater equality and empathy and understanding. And now, now, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to maybe just push this? I mean, like, yeah, just push this fight back a month. Yeah, three weeks. It's like we 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 honestly have like more important things to deal with right now jk than your just absolutely insane perspective on things so please just just go away yeah and and it just sucks because like it then also to some degree uh undermines the you know harry potter which at the end of the day is still like a really good series and has a lot of positive things to say and you have to like figure out to what degree you can separate art from artist and it's just ugh. it's just tiring yeah uh no i mean and kind of along those lines uh normally this is the section where we would be talking about just you know light entertainment fair specifically in the the comic book space um but one that sort of stuff isn't happening right now but two like actual real um like important news is happening uh in the globe and so we just want to take a moment to uh kind of make a statement in solidarity with black lives matter and with like the very um critical needed change that is being advocated for right now um you know the demand to change how police in our country operate and to minimize police violence particularly in regards to the black community and you know it's 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 a crazy insane time it's very very necessary um you know it's worth acknowledging that there is a difference between peaceful protests and rioting and looting and that i think a lot of media outlets are deliberately conflating the two um to push forward their their own agenda of just sensationalizing things and you know i mean this this is affecting us we both live in la we are living in the same neighborhood this is all happening right around us and it's a weird state to be generally worried about our you know friends and loved ones in the city while also understanding why uh these sort of protests are necessary and why the change is necessary and um no it's just it's a really crazy time but um hopefully something meaningful comes out of this so yeah it's um it's really important just to kind of have these conversations and we're going to have a lot of resources kind of at the end of this in our bat plugs for people to uh kind of help educate themselves areas where they can kind of share their voice um 
and kind of all that all that stuff that that you know if you're not really in the heart of it and what i mean it doesn't even matter it's it's happening everywhere it um, is it, it, and it's it's nice it's not it's not nice to see it but it's it's positive to see it happening everywhere and you know part of the challenge becomes figuring out what you can do because at the end of the day we're still in the middle of a global pandemic and a lot of people people are uh, understandably cautious to want to go out um and participate in a protest for that exact reason um I'm not able to at the moment go, but you know, there are a lot of things you can do. And one of the big things is education. And so I'll, you know, I'll be plugging some stuff, uh, towards this episode, places you can go and learn a little bit more about why things are the way they are in this country in regards to the black community and police violence. Um, you know, and also just trying to find ways to share other people's stories and share other people's voice is a really critical thing. And, you know, along those lines, we, you know, by, pure coincidence are talking static shock right now. And it was a huge deal when this show came out in terms of putting a black hero on screen and having him being a kid and having, you know, a role model for kids to look up to. I mean, we're talking, you know, little Romeo that's baked into the episode itself. The idea that static gets to be a role model. Um, you know, and so along those lines, if, you know, if you're listening to this and static shock was a huge thing for you if this was like the first time you saw yourself up on screen and it made you feel like seen and valued and powerful we'd love to hear that story and to help put your voice out there um because i think those are the sort of voices that need to be heard right now yeah so. e even if it wasn't static like who was what was the character on screen that kind of like made you feel kind of seen in the world yeah i i think there's you know a really interesting conversation to be had of that and so we'd uh we'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. Um, but, you know, so having acknowledged that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get back to our, our, our a little bit lighter affair here, but it was worth uh, mentioning something up front. So, um, but we are talking consequences. Yes. This week. Season which, two episode that <laughs> snuck its way into season three. I, I, I realized after I said that phrase, it sounded like a really, really bizarre segue. Yes. <laughs> that we're talking about consequences. But in this case, we're specifically talking about the show. Uh, the episode consequences. Yeah, Cameron, to your point, like it's bizarre. It's produced for season two, but for whatever reason, it was held onto and aired as part of season three. Like, did it throw you when you first started watching the episode because it was the old intro? Uh, the the intro. I didn't I didn't think about it too much because, like, I think mainly because of Teen Titans, I've become so subdued to just random theme songs being played. <laughs> You're just used to getting swapped out all the time. Yeah, I mean, there, there was like. There's like a handful of conspiracy theories going around of like how did they choose between the American theme song and Japanese theme song for Teen Titans? Mm -hmm. um, like some people said it's when they lose they play the Japanese theme song, um, and it's I think even the creators came out and said like no there was no like we just sometimes <laughs> wanted to to change just... it up a little bit. Okay, so I have uh, to ask you then, uh, which version you prefer, the English Teen Titans theme song oh, or the Japanese you version? Son of a bitch. <laughs> um. <laughs> This is a possible question I have to pose on you. It is. I I I think I'm gonna say the English version, but but I mean, okay. Puffy Amiumi has so many better songs. That, I mean, it's it's a it's a not answer answer. <laughs> it's very diplomatic of you. Yes, I I do enjoy the English version. I would say they have their song "Friends Forever" is probably one of my favorite songs of theirs, which is a mix okay. of English and Japanese. Uh, is that one up on Spotify? It is up on Spotify. Okay, cool. I'll, uh, I'll put it down to the plug so yeah. people can go check that out. It's in my feel-good playlist. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. No, at not at all. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. If, I don't. I, I know I've brought it up before, but they had uh, they had an entire TV series on Cartoon Network called The High High Puffy on Mimi Show. 
what was that show even about? Again, you've probably told me, and I've just probably forgotten it. It was. So it I was the. I don't need to remember this. The two of them and their manager going on tour and kind of their their interactions in different cities and and kind of being rambunctious. Uh, was it live action or a cartoon? It was animated for the first twenty minutes, and then it always ended with a live performance. Okay, that's clever. Yeah, that's a cool little thing. Because like this, this was the time that. like. I think this was like right after the high school musical boom. And so everyone was just trying to get musical content on their channels. So you had Hi Hi Puffy All Me going on at the same time as Class of 3000, uh, which was Andre 3000 show. Oh, okay. I know you've mentioned this before. Uh, also, amazing theme song. One of the best theme songs, as you would expect from the main writer from Outcast. Should should we just do another bonus episode of the the best tv and movie theme songs oh absolutely sung by the stars absolutely we got kim possible we got proud family we got class of 3000 wait was the kim possible theme song sung it by, was christy um, carlson romano oh it was yeah i didn't realize that mm-hmm. that makes so much sense though now doesn't it mm-hmm. uh that's a raven hannah montana we'll do it we'll Uh, we'll go even deeper even more esoteric big time rush always big i had i had a like i I don't i don't think dylan listens to this podcast my best friend from dallas dylan and i we were in this stage of high school where like we both still enjoyed watching cartoons and and younger content but we didn't like to admit it to each other that we were still (laughs) watching this and we were 16 i remember because we could both drive and he was at my house and we we're just like randomly going through the internet and like, oh, Big Time Rush has a concert tonight in Dallas. That's funny. And like, oh, haha, that's funny. I wonder how much tickets are. It's like, oh, tickets are 20 bucks. Haha, that's funny. Uh, and then I'm like, that's stupid. We, we would never go to a Big Time Rush concert. And then we both kind of look at each other and like, do you like Big Time Rush? I was like, yeah, do you like Big Time Rush? I'm like, fuck yeah, I like Big Time Rush. Uh, and I wish I could end that story by saying we went to the concert, but we did not. Because you we didn't lazy what? Of shit. Cameron, I'm very disappointed. I am I'm, dis- very happy. I'm still disappointed in myself that we didn't go to that once in a lifetime experience concert. I, I'm so happy you had this like brilliant, unexpected bonding moment and this like very vulnerable, honest connection. And that but we I'm just, very disappointed you didn't actually like follow through and go to now the we just played more video games. <laughs> For shame, Cameron. Yeah. For shame. <laughs> I'll just sporadically bring that up from now on just to make you feel terrible. That's fine. Still a big fan of BTR. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, not only that, but I have to maintain a reputation as the villain of the podcast. That's fine. Like yeah, just been very me villainous into recently. So we'll, we'll stay on it. Um, but yeah, like I, I was thrown when I first started watching this because it's the season two intro and I literally stopped the episode, went back to the, the DC Universe menu and like just double checked to make sure I had it right. And then I went and looked on... Uh, like the dcau fandom and it's like oh okay wait this was produced in season two this is why this makes sense yeah you can Um, also tell because there's no gear and also you see it's a rare occasion where you see daisy with no frida that's true Uh, that's true this this was pre-season three uh back in the era when you either had (laughs) frida Frida or daisy one or the other or they were inseparable they were the same character they're they were the mossy minnows of the show the what? The Mossy Menos. What is that again? It, there, are, there are two members of the East Titans. Oh, okay. That's right. They're, they're the speeders that can only run super fast if they're touching each other. Oh, okay. This now rings a bell. Mm-hmm. It sounded vaguely familiar. 
Yes, this is the Hispanic uh, super speeders. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, I, I haven't watched Titan since it aired, so I, I got to do some catch up on top of all the other things I'm catching up on. I mean, we'll but, get to it well, once we get to Titan Talk at the end that's of this. That's true. When we, we're done with this, we do Titan Talk, as we're always threatening to do. <laughs> but uh, no, so like it's a season two episode. You can tell because the production quality is definitely not as good. To, you, uh, to your point, gear is not in it. It has the original costume, the original intro. Um, I think I think this is also the last appearance of uh, Pop's lady friend, right? Of Officer Sandoval. That's right. I, yeah, I also think this oh. is her last appearance. Uh, it's like that's that's so sad. I really like her as a character, and I'm I'm disappointed that she didn't get a chance to follow through into the. Uh... Oh wait, hang on. Oh, is there another appearance? Oh no, no, she keeps coming back. Oh, good. Okay, because because we we kind of talked about this before oh, wait, the no, podcast. No, no. Oh, I was confusing. Oh, Shelly Sandoval is the reporter. Who's Pop's girlfriend? What's her name? Lady friend, please use the correct. DC Wait, Universe terminology. Me. Oh, okay. God damn it. I had this all confused. No, Trina Jessup is his lady friend. Officer Jessup, that's right. Oh, okay, yeah. This is it's just these two appearances. That's a shame. Yeah, because cause we briefly talked about this before the podcast, and you you brought up a great point of like this is such a fun dynamic where it's her, Pops, Virgil, um, rubber band man all kind of in the and, same uh, room oh and sharon yeah yeah, sharon, yeah, sorry, sharon. yeah because we like we get a, a moment where they're all together as a family so for so for like the background context here uh like static is feeling particularly good about himself you know like things are going well he's, he's very he's, cocky right now yeah he, he's he's being a little bit on the cocky side he's kind of hamming things up he's showboating um you know and rubber band man is getting after him for it be like hey man like you still got to focus on being a hero you can't let this all go to your head um so he goes to a movie with well virgil goes to a movie with daisy and uh puff puff and onyx show up mm -hmm. poof to, poof, uh, poof, poof and bigfoot poof, that's true poof and bigfoot show up to uh to try and rob the place and in the uh the chaos of static trying to show off uh, daisy somehow ends up in a coma after tripping on a rock yeah because like. as as we've extended john mulaney's joke the two things you fear most as a child are quicksand and comas it like it's, it's a slight bump it's just a slight bump and in there she goes no but she doesn't uh, she doesn't get hit that's the thing i was expecting her to be hit by rubble she trips on on a rock and falls yeah, it falls i think she even like falls on her hands like i think she stops herself from actually hitting her head if only frida were there to her catch her maybe <laughs> this only. is why they hang out now is because That's frida's so scared <laughs> of her falling again they're there to just keep each other uh, safe yeah. amongst all the debris and rubble yeah because obviously uh, virgil won't be there no because virgil's like just lost in his own space but yeah you're right like uh given that i don't think we're gonna see any quicksand showed up at any point i'm glad that this show still found a way to shoehorn in the classic coma trope I, yeah, so, what started those two? Because they were so rampant, I feel like. I don't, I don't They were know. such I, like an easy cop-out, and I don't understand it. I mean, they're probably on like tvtropes.com. Yeah, was a, there a like, that is... was there like a writer that was traveling through the savannah one day and was caught in quicksand? And it was like, oh my God, like someone write this down. This is so good. And then come and save me because I'm slowly going to my death. All right, here we go. The convenient coma, a uh, a TV trope. 
Let me see if I can find the uh, the earliest. Okay, live action TV. Oh yeah, coma um, coma is is more because I feel like that was the trope for like daytime soaps first. Yeah, it's definitely a, a daytime soap thing. Like All My Children, One Tree Hill. Um, was One Tree Hill a daytime soap? That was that was. It a, wasn't a daytime soap, but it it was like it fell into that category of primetime soaps. Yeah, it was it was like an ABC Family. It was a uh, WB slash CW. Oh, was oh you're right. Yeah, which that whole network is basically just built off of. I'm the thinking Seventh Heaven soap opera. Which one is Seventh Heaven? Seventh Heaven was was that ABC? I think that was ABC. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. They I didn't all watch had it. shows that looked the exact same. They all looked the exact same. Like all of the cast looked the exact same. They had the same color palette, the same design. They're in the same era. Yeah. Same cheesy, cheesy storylines, uh, many of which included comas. But luckily, it found its way here. <laughs> into this episode so now static is like he's super angry right he's angry at himself but you know for him he's really projecting a lot of that anger onto um puff puff and onyx puff and onyx puffy and onyx yeah hi hi puffy yummy puffy yummy yummy and onyx puffy, puffy, yummy, yummy, yummy. so he is trying to figure out what to do um you know and as we mentioned before, rubber band man's in this episode because, you know, he and Sharon are still dating. And so there's this really fantastic scene where they are all in the house together. Like Virgil's really upset, doesn't know what to do. Um, you know, Adam makes a comment about how uh, Puff and Onyx are hanging out down at this. I guess it's a, it's a pool hall. Yeah, it's it's. Pool halls, I feel like, were the coverall for kids in bar settings. Because it's a bar. It's a bar. Like, it's a straight-up bar. It's a straight-up, just, like, super... It's a saloon. ...divey bar on the docks with a pool table at it, but it's a flat-out bar. And Officer Officer Jessup makes a comment <laughs> about how it's a, a major teen hangout spot. I'm like, you, when we actually even see the bar, there are no teens in there. Like, no, everyone's all, in their 20s all, like, and 30s. Yeah, 20-some thugs. If I, <laughs> yeah. if I can go on a, ta- a quick tangent... One of my favorite like kid bar slash saloon episodes is is from uh, Kids Next Door. Of course it is. And they do a Western trope, a Western episode <gasps> oh, where number two episode. goes to a soda bar. <laughs> uh, and you have like this soda tycoon who's hoarding all the root beer to himself. And so they start like a root beer speakeasy to rival uh the the tycoon and it's so funny because the guy basically makes iron man armor the the villain makes iron man armor powered by root beer yes and it's so i love the like the character design so much (laughs) the show that show that show was so smart it really was uh well because like they had the advantage of being able to go meta on everything yeah oh and they did yeah, and they really did. And like I mean, I, I would I'll give Static Shock as a show credit for being more on the self-aware side and um being a little bit smarter about handling some of these tropes. So at the end of the day, like, you know, it's still a kid's show, they still like fall into them a little bit. Um, you know, so of course there's this this pool hall they have to go to eventually. But I, I really like the scene um where Officer Jessup's at the house and she's basically like telling Adam, like, hey, don't go vigilante, you know, let the police handle this. And it's a really interesting dynamic because it's like the only time we ever see all of them together as a family. You know, you got you got Pops, you got Pops' lady friend, Sharon, her boyfriend, Adam, you got Virgil there. And they're all kind of 
talking with each other as this like really you know dynamic interesting family unit i i think um, this would have been the best point for rubber band man to know virgil's identity too mm, because then you have okay. the situation where everyone has different knowledge going in and it makes a really kind of tense situation oh i could yeah i could see that like adding a little bit of tension there cause, yeah because because right I, now kind of everyone has the same information except virgil yeah like he's he's in an odd spot because you know um officer jessup knows who adam is you know adam is a, a known superhero he doesn't have a secret identity um so they have an interesting dynamic where like they are also rapper of, and producer let's not forget producer. his I mean, other he's a triple threat chris he, he is an extraordinaire we, we've said this before but uh rubber band man best hero in static shock possibly in the dcau in, yeah. in all of it he's, <laughs> he's, he's, the best. he's usually a pretty like what's the uh what's the the the, the square the three by three grid lawful good he's pretty lawful good he is yeah i don't know i haven't played D before i almost called him pundit squares but that's chemistry okay that's or biology what am i saying that's biology uh all i know is i think i, I did that that grid thing once where it tells you which one you'd be and i was like the dead middle oh you're, you're a neutral neutral i was like neutral neutral i'm like oh that's really boring <laughs> all right <laughs> that means you can do whatever you that. want that's that's the that gives you the most freedom does it it does i feel like it makes you also the most boring like you know like someone asks you that as a question like hey like you know like where would you fall on this grid you're like oh i'm i'm just neutral yeah i'm neutral neutral to everything i'm the human equivalent of just beige thank you um oh to to answer my question a minute ago because i finally looked (laughs) it up uh why was quicksand such a such a heavy trope um before the moon landing that was the sci-fi trope uh where everyone thought the moon surface was kind of like this sand texture. Oh, uh, okay. And so it, it says here, sci-fi stories written before the moon landing are liable to describe thick layers of extreme fine lunar dust on the moon's surface uh, that are treated as functionally equivalent to quicksand. Oh, I see. Like they just thought it was like a really, really deep, fine powder surface. Yeah. That you would sink into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's where it started. So, so it probably started like old like sci-fi serials like Flash Gordon and shit like that. Yeah. Okay, and then it just eventually you know manifests itself in everything. But like, you know, it's funny that you mention like the the quicksand thing because that John Mulaney joke is so true. Like I can't remember a single thing about the live action Jungle Book movie from the '90s except for one sequence where like a whole bunch of people fall into quicksand. Yeah. That is literally the only thing I remember about that movie. And it it made it so far in where, like, I remember there was a recess joke where TJ gets trapped in mud. And it's the same situation. Everyone's, like, panicking and trying to get him out of this mud pit because he's sinking. <laughs> uh, and then it kind of became the joke of itself of people realizing that quicksand isn't ever that deep. Yeah. And, like, most of the time it only will hold you up to your waist. <laughs> also, I just realized... Further proof that Star Wars Episode Nine is a piece of shit. They found a way to put in the quicksand. Was there a quicksand trope? Yes. In episode Nine. They're on that that weird planet trying to find the the spaceship that has the dagger that'll lead them to the the, the, the Sith Death Star that'll lead them to the the Wayfinder. And so it's like that big party thing is happening. And they meet Lando and they go out into the desert and they're like they're just trooping along totally fine. 
and then they like fall into quicksand and they sink through it and oh then they that's come across right yeah yeah, yeah. The, the the space snake and then all of a sudden ray can heal things and i'm gonna stop because <laughs> i one of my favorite memes that has come out of that is it's a shot from episode one where anakin is building c3po uh, he's oh, like, yeah. he's like, three I'm sorry. Yes. I gotta go. I gotta go. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. But before I go, I gotta install these these Sith protocols in case anyone ever needs to decipher a Sith code. <laughs> this uh, galactic basic restriction that you can't decipher Sith. Yeah, <laughs> inscriptions. God damn it, the movie's terrible. But anywho, so like, there's an interesting dynamic at play here that you know Virgil wants to act but can't do anything. And to your point, like, no one knows that he's also a hero. So like, he's just kind of listening to everyone else in the room have opinions about, you know, what should happen, like how to deal with Daisy being injured, how to go find Puff and Onyx. And he just doesn't know what to do. So he decides to take it into his own hands and he goes to the bar. And I feel like this is the first time we've ever really seen him go like full on aggressor. Like he is using I mean, he, his powers vigilante. to intimidate. Yeah. He's, he's making Batman proud. That's for sure. Yeah, he's definitely pulling a Batman. Like, th- this whole scene plays out like a typical Batman sequence. Like, he shows up to the bar, he, like, strolls in, he's using his powers. Batman doesn't have them, obviously, but, like, to uh, intimidate. He's somehow uh, throwing pool cues at the wall, which I still find confusing, considering that those are made of wood. Mm-hmm. But we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. We, we, um, we have many other references to this being a bad use of power before this that's true that's true and, you know i guess hang on i guess they never it's never stated that he doesn't have some form of like telekinesis like he could yeah it's electrokinesis electrokinesis yeah okay so maybe we just haven't been you know fully appreciating the the grand extent of his powers um no but, but, no. but like trying to understand his mentality in this state he doesn't on the surface he doesn't blame himself he fully blames yeah. onyx and poof puff for this tragedy for his friend being in a coma yeah and kind of the, the next scene is is as he's interrogating one of the guys there rubber band man pulls him out of the situation kind of slaps him into reality of like hey you don't do this this is not you mm-hmm. and also this is your fault so don't go blaming them for something that you know from what i've heard you caused this problem yeah it's it's a great scene and it's it's really interesting to watch static um, have to be reined in by someone who is like kind of acting as a mentor, and but who's also been a rival for him in the past. And who's had such a big character change and just, you know, this is his fifth appearance as rubber band man. Yeah. And since then he's been villain, anti-hero, pop star, hero, hero. <laughs> I, he really does have one of the most interesting stories in, in the entire show. And, you know, I think they do a really good job, you know, making him his own independent hero, someone who like wants to actually work with static and support him. And, you know, you can see why Virgil be resistant to listening because technically like, Oh, he was there first. And he's like the, you know, the big hero in, in Dakota city, but also on top of it, like this guy's dating his sister. And like, that's just a weird dynamic in of itself. You know what I you know what I just thought about, Chris? Hmm. Uh, cause for a second I'm like, oh, Robert Bayman should have had his own show. And then I'm like, no, that was the problem with Zeta. Is you yeah. can't his his character arc wouldn't be as interesting if it was every single episode. It's because yeah. we only get glimpses of it and the world is still kind of changing and we're kind of bouncing back into his life. 
And so if Zeta contained, if, if Zeta was still just a side character through the entirety of, of beyond, I think we would have been much more warm to him than the 26 the, episodes of torture that we had to watch the, the, than we were when we had to get through it. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. Like, I think part of the reason um, what I'm saying static... is Robert Bandman is Zeta. Yes. Well, hang on. And you can't let's, change let's... my mind. Yeah. Wait, hang on, Cameron. Somehow we've gone from him being the best hero in all the DCU to him being Zeta. That's, that's a pretty big <laughs> switch. All right. It's a pretty extreme stance to take. Like, he, you're right, though. He does work well as a supporting character because, I mean, his his he has a really distinctive arc. Like, he has a... A, a big swing to his arc that it's not like he's the kind of character that, um, you know, has like an episode by episode changed. So like, you know, Virgil more or less stays the same, but he learns lessons along the way. Um, whereas Adam like has to go through some pretty massive changes. Like he has more of a typical like film arc, right? Where, like where he starts at the beginning is completely different than where he starts at the end versus like a typical TV show arc, which is wherever you end is basically where you were at the beginning, but like mainly slightly, slightly different. And actually, to that point, this episode does something kind of weird. So, you know, Static figures out that he has to be smart about taking down um, Puff and Onyx and ends up working with Rubber Band Man to make that happen. Um, and then, you know, very happily, Daisy comes out of the coma. But he doesn't go and visit her as Virgil. He shows oh, up as her window. This infuriated me. Yeah, he shows up as Virgil or as static outside our window and like does a little electric Daisy. And like the whole point of this episode was that Daisy was pissed at her friend Virgil for like stepping all over her and not showing her enough like deference and respect. And then he's upset that she's in a coma, but at no point does he ever come back to her and be like, Oh, I'm so glad you're, you're out of the coma. So glad you're doing okay. I'm so sorry. Like I wasn't there for you and you needed me to be. None of that happens. He just goes out and showboats again. <laughs> yeah, because what, what what is the story from Daisy's perspective? Is she calls a guy who doesn't let her talk to go to a movie, and then the second they buy the ticket, he disappears. There's a fight that breaks out, and she gets caught in the crossfire, is in a coma for a week, and then wakes up to not her friend, but some random superhero that she doesn't know who he is. That she's like got a bit of a crush on. Yeah, leaving leaving kind of a sweetheart note outside her window. It's it's a really like I would be so mad at Virgil after that. Yeah, and it's so bizarre because this show is normally so smart about uh, you know having good landings, especially like knowing how to like end these episodes on on kind of a nice poignant note, and you feel like there are other episodes that don't end on static and costume that end on Virgil, like having come to some sort of like resolution sort of cathartic moment. It's so strange that that's what they would put him in. It just shows that men don't know how to apologize. You know what? I agree with you on this actually. <laughs> Cause like, I think it would be easy enough for Virgil to show up as himself, apologize and be like, Hey, what's that outside your window? And then also ha- like, you can do both. You don't need to do one or the other. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't actually. know why it was his, pa- why it was her parents that what that showed the like, they're like, oh, look outside your window. I think someone left you a message. Like Virgil, you do that. <laughs> At do least you, someone cares. Unlike your shitty friend Virgil. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you think that uh, it's like Phil Lamar left recording that day and just forgot to do the last line and like, oh Maybe. fuck, we gotta write around this. 
it's i don't know it's just it's he, he so... had to move next door to go record some justice league lines oh yeah probably that's it like it's just odd i i feel like it, it does really kind of like undermine what's otherwise like a pretty good story arc here mm-hmm. i don't know uh it, it's, it's kind of odd but i mean oh, like, overall this i thought was like you know pretty pretty decently fun uh you must have loved it because they go to a movie theater okay so here's here's something i had a problem with in this episode <laughs> is how lazy the background art department was here <laughs> you mean you weren't impressed by their uh their movie poster that just says really scary movie on it it's, it says it's three it's really 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 scary movie oh that's right um uh, no, I'm not impressed with that because we already have like a built-in movie universe in the show. Like we know they have their own version of Star Wars. This is true. Uh, so like just get us another poster of that. Uh, but uh, the one the one that I will not forgive them for is the as Puff dropped a billboard onto a bunch of civilians for for static to to catch uh and it's a bur- it's a billboard f- for the Burger Fool. And mm-hmm. the billboard just says it's foolishness, and that is lazy writing. I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. When I first saw it at a glance, my brain finished it as it's fool king good, and that's so much better. <laughs> that is so much better than it's foolishness <laughs> because it it's still on brand. Uh, and it's it's one of those where I feel like what happened is someone wrote it like like a writer wrote it and an animator animated it waiting for someone to catch it because they knew there's no way this was going to make it through in a kid's cartoon it's fool king good (laughs) Uh, and they were like in render when a producer came over it's like wait what did that say what what did that say that's fucking good (laughs) guys guys pause stop the render stop we have to deliver this episode in 15 minutes and I need you to change this to anything else. <laughs> anything else, I don't care. Yeah. And so it's foolishness. That's the, that's not even easy to say. No. Foolishness? No. Fool King no, Good is is an I applaud you for that one, Chris. That is a great Thank you. I'm going to figure out a way to write that in something I'm working on. <laughs> Thank you. It's all yours to do with as you please. Okay. Uh, uh but did you at least like in the movie theater the uh, the post in the background for the giant iron? I did. I did really enjoy the giant iron. That that is great. Uh, so uh, uh, another super quick tangent. I started watching Star Girl the other day. Um, oh, okay. How is it? It's fine. Okay. Uh, I I heard it, from it a friend like that fine. like the the budget wasn't really there, and I kind of see what they're talking about because they have okay. two very heavy CG characters where whereas like um doom patrol had um brendan fraser's character um fuck how did i forget his name robot man robot man robot man yeah is it robot man what is it robot man yeah it's just robot man where he's is like it? half cg half practical yeah um where these two you have stripes which is a full-on robot and then you have solomon grundy makes an appearance Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, in, in two episodes, you've seen him for a total of 14 seconds because Probably he is best. all CG and they don't have the budget. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is Stripes, the the robot Stripes makes that he kind of walks around in, looks like a live action Iron Giant. Oh, really? It, it's very, it's like if Iron Giant was made with more car parts. Okay. Um, 
it's you, you would like it because he even he even said luke wilson's character even says like yeah i made this character I, I built this robot out of used car parts and so kind of the chest plate is the the front of a car um oh okay yeah i'm looking at like some some photos of it now okay yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a pretty good design you're right it does look more um it looks less like a costume and more like a like a, a a big robot yeah well, i mean because it's giant it's you know it's 10 feet tall that's a good look yeah yeah you, you I, mean, I haven't seen it much in action yet it um, does look a lot like the iron giant yeah oh, you know I'll, I'll give it like one or two more episodes okay just to just see if it holds up mm-hmm. yeah i was like ah, eh, i don't need to uh but but going back to your point i there's something about movie theaters and TVs and movies that just feel so much like more fun. And maybe it's because they're all still based off of the kind of the nineties aesthetic where everything is bright and colorful and patterny, even though not, not as much animation because patterns are hard to animate. Um, but there's something magical about seeing a movie theater on like in a movie mainly just mainly it might be because I'm just so, desperate to be back in a movie theater i, I was gonna say cameron is this just you like really really missing movie theaters right i now? miss it so much chris <clears throat> i miss it so much i know i know you do i have my yeah. I, I keep all my movie subs and i have my little bank that, that holds all my movie subs next to me right now oh you just occasionally just like just like grab it and hold it tight and just like a a, a single bro tear slips i do face. here chris i'll just for you for this visual visual medium this is <laughs> One year of tickets. Oh my god, that's a lot. It's a lot yeah. of tickets, right? There, it Cameron. is minimum one a week. I, I'm surprised you haven't like you know set up your your home entertainment system to be like an improvised theater. Like I'm surprised you haven't you know. Oh, put don't worry, I did in Animal Crossing. You you did what you did I, in Animal Crossing. I turned my upstairs into a movie theater. Yes, of course you did. Because I had to where else can you go to see a movie at this point i had to to pay tribute god that's that is uh the just the most you thing that could possibly happen uh and also they they were joking about how expensive a nine dollar ticket is and i'm like oh oh my god i I miss it please (laughs) that was the dream come to la 2020 (laughs) yeah uh all right any other uh major thoughts on this or shall we move on to uh, uh, some romeo here they they throw in at the beginning of the episode all that in a bag of chips oh god it's a great and line that, i mean that, it's a terrible line but it's great to see oh it yeah that, that's a good slap in the 2000s face <laughs> uh yeah that, that's all i have to say is i'm glad they they shoehorned that line in oh wait i forgot i, I had one more question for you oh go for it so they they make reference to the fact that Virgil and Daisy are going to go see the new Sandler flick. Oh right. So this came out in okay. So it came out in two thousand three in April two thousand three. But let's assume it was supposed to come out in probably like maybe around the same time two thousand two. Uh, wild guess which okay. uh, Adam Sandler movie were they going to go see? Let's go through his discography real quick. So this is no, pre- no, to, okay. Yeah, yeah, guess off the top of your head here. Pre click. Hold on, I'm gonna get there. It's pre-click. It's pre-click. It's it's post. It's post Big Daddy because that was like 2000. Uh, Big Daddy is 1999. Okay. Yeah. 
Is it is it my mom's least favorite one? Is it Eight Crazy Nights? Um, it could have been. It could have been Eight Crazy Nights. I think that came out. That came out in two thousand two, probably around the holidays. Right. Um, I'm gonna guess it's Mr. Deeds. Right. Yeah. 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 I I, I like... remember. I I don't think I saw that in theaters, but I remember watching Mr. Deeds at a very young age, and I loved I remember, it. I remember being decent. I loved Mr. Deeds. Right. Because it, it was it was blank check with a man child. This is true. That's all that movie was. Is they just rewrote blank check, but instead of a kid, it's a man who's a kid. And uh it has the one thing that blank check did not. Which uh, is the butler. John Chaturro as a yeah. butler. Oh my god, he's the best with his oh no, his uh Adam Sandler had the had the dead foot. Adam Sandler had the dead foot, but uh, John Turturro was just super sneaky. Yes, super sneaky. So sneaky. Oh, my God. I love John Turturro. Oh, he was so good. And doesn't he get the money at the end? And you find out, uh, like, the... His... Spoiler alert, but yes. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a spoiler alert for a nearly 20-year-old Adam Sandler comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, he was the, uh, yes, the, the the love child of the, the, the billionaire, and no one knew the truth. Yeah. John Turturro, you're amazing. What a, what a man oh yeah because he gives he gives deeds like a million dollars and then deeds just goes and buys everyone in his hometown of corvette yeah <laughs> instead of actually using the money it's amazing uh all right well should we uh move on to some romeo here oh man the, we've been waiting for this episode for a while and i well, uh, i'm gonna say up top and this is gonna hurt me to say i think this is the best cameo episode wait chris just wait, let's sink in H- hang on i are you you're saying yeah that you think this is better than static shack Be, you know here, i'm gonna say this because chris i i need you to to turn around and behind you there's a special guest here <laughs> is it shack <laughs> it's aj from backstreet boys <laughs> oh, oh aj go ahead i want you here <laughs> it's coolio can you can you please maintain more than a six feet distance can you just go outside <laughs> I don't want you here, AJ McLean. Uh, uh, wait, but like you, you, I, I, feel like st- I, I've, I've admitted it, and I, and I will admit it again. Static Shack is not as good as I remember it being. Dare I say it, just being a bad episode? Because you, I know, like you were so excited to watch Static just for Static Shack. I know, I know. I, I toted it for years. I, I, I pushed this agenda on you. Without well, you know, actually doing the research myself. Maybe Shaq will be better in uh, his subsequent appearances. He in will. all those I other episodes he that he stars in that you have created for yourself in your own in head. In his next three appearances, they, they each get better. <laughs> he has an arc to rival that of Rubber Band Man. He does. Over the course of the show. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've given you shit. But also, yeah, Static Shaq was a terrible episode. But like, this is actually pretty solid. Like, It feels the least shoehorned in terms of cameos like the, the Shaq one okay we can kind of buy that uh Shaq and Mr. Hawkins knew each other back in the day and okay yeah so rubber band man is working for uh, a, a record label so I guess that makes sense that AJ McLean of all people would just show up um and Coolio and Coolio lest we forget Coolio yeah um but this one is like a little bit more organic. Like, so uh, and, and we get I the think, return of um, asshole extraordinaire oh, producer, God. Bernie Rast. I, I think also it helped a little bit that they like 
prepared the audience for this one or they kind of built little romeo into the universe before this because they're always making references to him yeah because this is like you know this is you know what this is this is their the little romeo beetlejuice (laughs) because they have said his name twice and on his third name drop he has appeared in world (laughs) wait does that mean if you say his name three times again he goes away uh i guess i mean they they probably said it at least three times in this episode you know they didn't because they they started calling him romeo and not little romeo that's true you have to say the full you gotta say the name. full name yeah and he can't tell you his own name that breaks the rules right but he can do charades you have to say it backwards too <laughs> no you have to get him to say it backwards that that's what it was that's what it is yeah you have to him to get to say it backwards three times mm-hmm. and then he'll go away uh but yeah so like bernie rast is back um, still being a piece of shit still so like like he is he is a terrible character but a great character like you hate him but you love when he's on screen because he's just so like insane and so like just caught up in his own absurd aspirations and so clueless like I don't know if we get more of him. I like I weirdly hope we get more Bernie Rast. Like I don't know if we can ever get enough. I, th- I think of him. we have one more episode with him, maybe. Let me see. Looking it up here. Oh, we do. Oh, we. The episode's called Wet and Wild, which that that just <gasps> seems Smith. like a bad name for a kids show. Um. So. Well. well oh, do you know why it's called Wet and Wild? Is there a water villain? It's Aquamaria. <gasps> Aquamaria's back. Yeah. H2 oh. Olga's back. <laughs> Such a great name. We haven't, I haven't talked about the conspiracy that Butch Hartman stole everything from Static Shock to just be in, in Danny Phantom. Well, no, you, you haven't mentioned it yet this episode. You have mentioned it before. Oh, I know I've mentioned it before. I feel like <laughs> I haven't mentioned it in a couple of weeks, though. You haven't supported that just personal conspiracy theory in a while? I won't. And I will continue to tout that, that H2 Olga is the greatest aqua or water themed villain name you can ever have i i can't entirely disagree with you on that one uh um but yeah so birdie rass is back he wants to work with little romeo he's um uh somehow tricked little romeo into agreeing or he never maybe agreed to do it but basically bernie rass set up a a write-in fan contest where a fan would get to direct the new little romeo video he ends up choosing. Uh, oh, so let's so, 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 have the friends. audience guess who are the two luckiest people in all of Dakota City. Uh, good old Frida and Daisy. Uh, no longer completely different characters and never appear on screen at the same time. They uh, now instead they are, they are now one always character. together, inseparable. They won the contest because they promised they could get Static to appear, even though they never asked him to do it. Uh, but Romeo is super excited because he looks up to Static. He's like, oh, like, Static's awesome. He's like, my favorite superhero. This is going to be great. Um, now, okay, Cameron, I was trying to figure this out. How old is little Romeo when this came on? Oh, um. Let me, let, me, let me see if I can look this up real quick. So like, this is his, pre his Nickelodeon show. Because he looked like something about the animation just He looks off. 11. Yeah, he looks like, but he, like, he's. But I, he I talks tell like if, he's 20. Yeah, he talks like he's 20 years old. I can't tell if just like either the like his proportions seem too childish or they seem like 
adult proportions, but he's just like shrunk down. I don't know. Something about I, him. Just I'm, I'm looking at a photo of him right now. And, and what it looks like is, you know, those, those tropes in, in cartoons and movies where you have someone shrinking, but like different body parts shrink at different rates. Yes. I feel like his body has shrunk first and they just stopped the shrinking. So kind of like, um, like Ant-Man of the Wasp. Uh, no, no. Cause I feel like they, they kind of shrink everything at the same rate. Don't they? I don't, I don't remember. I'm, th- I'm thinking, more, <laughs> I'm thinking more like, um, luck of the Irish. Of course you are. It's <laughs> <laughs> never far from your brain, is it? Um, when Seamus McTiernan <laughs> shrinking Wait. at the end of the basketball game. He actually shrinks. I thought he was just still like a normal sized boy, but he happened to be a leprechaun. He actually like shrinks down. No, to no, no, no. Seamus McTiernan is the villain. Oh, okay. I don't know. I've never seen it. You've never seen Look at the Irish? No. Of course, it's a classic. I was, ne- I was never a decom person. <gasps> just like monster. I, I, I well for again the villain. What do you do on here. What do you do on St. Patrick's Day then? Besides watch Look at the Irish on repeat. I get drunk. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess people do do that. <laughs> like any other irresponsible adult. There, it it ends with you have this adult playing a high school basketball game against a child. Uh, Classic, yeah. And and there's the line. Um, you're going back to oh fuck, what's what's the? Um, you're going back 20. to the Lake of Erie, and then Seamus is like, oh, you boy, uh, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's not Erie, it's Erie. He's like, oh no, my dad's not from Ireland. He's from Cleveland, and then he like shrinks down and he gets shot off into lake erie and that's the end of the movie yeah wow you know what's even better than watching that having me retell it having you retell (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that little little snippet of audio drama there yeah uh i just started a radio show oh wait actually holy shit little romeo is one day older than me wow so he's old he's old like ancient he's You know what? I bet I bet within the last few months he also discovered an ear hair and then had a total panic attack, realizing <laughs> that he's finally become really old. I bet that happened to him as well. That's unfortunate. Is there something you want to talk about, Chris? Cameron, when it happens to you, you'll know it and you'll just be like, uh, what what have I become? It's fair. It's it's, it's kinda of like I I've actually uh I'm rewatching Rebels right now. And I had this moment the other day when I realized, like, as I'm watching, like, oh, I'm the age of like Kanan, not the age of Ezra. <laughs> like I, I am, I am well past the point of being the same age or like the same general age as the protagonist of the show. I am now the same age as like the supporting background characters. I, I so I, I'm in the midst of trying to write a book right now, and it's 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 attempting to be in kind of the the teen, um, like teen action, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realize someone someone kind of read over it and they're like, Oh, this is, this is cool. But your protagonist is too old. I'm like, what do you mean? He's my age. He's like, yeah, it's <laughs> that's too old for a teen action. I'm like, Oh fuck. You're right. I'm no oh longer, God, I'm not, prota- not, I'm not the anymore. age of a protagonist anymore. Yeah. We, we are, we are now old enough or closing in the age to be like the parents in shows, not the kids. Yeah. Cameron, I, I'm sorry to break it to you. Except for, Oh, who's, what's the actor? Jason, not Jason Muse, the older oh. brother on Hannah Montana. The older brother. His Hannah. name was Jackson. Oh, I don't know. Um, the actor. There's there's a um, there's a shot people like to make fun of where they had John Cena, uh, 
come in and like Jackson like looked up to him. It was his idol. And he like, you see the height difference and, and kind of the build difference. And then someone Googled it. And the actor that plays the kid who plays a 16 year old is actually a day older than John Cena. <laughs> they they were both 35 years old when this episode filmed and Jackson was playing a 16 year old. I love it. I, uh, what? Oh my God. I'm looking at this right now. What's that his last horrifying. name? Jason. What? Uh, Jason Earls. Jason Earl. That's it. Yeah. That is what this is. This is wrong. Yeah. My concept of time and space is completely broken. <laughs> yeah. How old is he now? Uh, he's, he's like in his forties. <laughs> his forties. And he still looks like he's 17. He's probably pushing 50 at this point. He, he was born in 77. He's 43 years old. Oh, God damn. Oh, God damn. Uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a show right after um, right after Hannah Montana called Kicking It, where they slightly aged him up to be a martial 17? arts instructor. Yeah, he was like, like 19. God damn it. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to do here is uh, like the opposite. They're trying to like age little romeo down like the cartoon version of him it's maybe that's why he looks weird because like he's so he would have been 14 when the show aired like when this was like in production when it aired right which is um, which is a year younger than static yeah but like he looks three years younger than he static. looks much like, younger yeah so i guess i think that's it i think they were trying to like skew his character to be younger so i guess it made more sense that like little romeo would have that sort of um kind of idol fandom yeah over a hero yeah, that that makes sense. It's either that or just the animators didn't know how to draw limbs because not only does he look weird, but then also our our villain of the week this week, which is Leech, uh, aka Parasite. Yeah, like Parasite Light. Yeah, he's, so he's like Parasite. He's got the same power set as Parasite. He can like steal people's powers for temporary periods, but not their um, not their like memories. Because I feel like Parasite yeah. was cool because he he can steal he can steal from normal people too. Exactly, he can steal from anyone. Whereas here, it's like I guess you could. I don't know what he would really steal from someone because when, you know, he steals their powers and like some of their, um, well, he, uh, he, like we see appearance. him to, to kind of jump ahead in the story for a second. Um, little Romeo gets a static costume and then parasite yes. accidentally kidnaps him instead of static. Um, and I wanted after he tries to absorb statics powers through Romeo, I wanted him to have like a rap number where he <laughs> stole his ability to sing and rap. <laughs> I I would have loved if that's where the episode went. Yeah, because then it's here's like, my question for you: You now uh -huh. have that power. Who who whose like trait in the world do you want to steal? Whose power do I want to steal? Yes, in our real world. Um. Oh, uh, I guess I yeah. I would want to take like someone who's really really good at martial arts actually okay so you want you want like a, a lacy uh, not a lacy say a, a, a degracy a, a what they're the family that started brazilian jiu-jitsu the the gracies oh. the gracies i i don't know you mean capoeira no Wait, that's, it's a different it, martial art is it yeah capoeira is uh also is it brazilian um no, that was that was a a martial art started by the lower class 
because they would hide it in dance moves as they were practicing, which is why it has oh. that very like rhythmic oh, okay. style. Okay. I also sometimes get capoeira, capoeiras, and cassowaries confused. No, all very different. All very, very different. Capoeira is an African Brazilian martial art that combines elements of dance, acrobatics, and music. It was developed by enslaved Africans in Brazil at the beginning of the 16th century. It's known for its acrobatic and complex maneuvers, often involving hands to the ground and inverted kicks. That's cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just like I, I don't consider myself to be a particularly um, like graceful person. Oh, same. So, so like the idea of having that sort of like um, athletic and artistic like grace and balance would be like really appealing either that or like a like i would love to be able to play the piano i would steal someone's piano okay then then here's my pitch for you because this was this was my character that i wanted to steal from okay uh usher ah that's sing dance and piano yeah that's true usher can basically do everything he can do you get his abs too oh that's a good question because i'll be honest that was my first thought i was like who Whose abs, Whose abs you could I steal? Just scroll through Instagram. Because <laughs> I'm extraordinarily vain. Um, but like, so, but yeah, so Leech is out there stealing powers from villains. So first he uh, steals from Ebon because the first thing we see in the episode is uh, Hot Streak, a.k.a. Mark McGrath, trying to steal from like a jewelry store. And then Ebon shows up and realizes, oh, it's not Ebon. It's this guy, Leech. But when he's using Ebon's powers, he has Ebon's like um, general look, like the the sort of like purple black uh, aesthetic, except for his like really horrifying massive teeth are also showing through. It's like mm-hmm. the one thing that maintains. Um, so he steals uh, Hot Streak's abilities, and then he steals Talon's abilities too. And he decides he wants to steal Static, but he accidentally steals Romeo instead. Um, it's it's interesting how they portray his powers. Like we said, he's basically parasite. But to your point, he doesn't have the ability to steal like memories or anything like that. It's not like he steals, you know, little Romeo and then all of a sudden knows where little Romeo lives or anything like that. Um, but he also takes on like certain aspects of their. Yeah, like, it's like the talent would make sense. Yeah, he, so like he, he takes talent's powers and then she loses her wings and then he gains them. Yeah. But when he takes Ebon's powers, he only looks like Ebon when he's using his powers, but also Ebon doesn't change back into, like, a normal-looking person. Right. And unfortunately for him, whenever he uses Hot Streak's powers, he also grows his really horrible-looking hair. Here, here's what I, what I love, love to happen. In the same way that, like, Talon loses her wings, uh, Hot Streak's hair just, like, flattens out. Like, he absorbs the gel out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it just deflates. Yeah, and it, it like flattens up to this like this ugly bowl cut. Uh, it's it deflates and also his pants fall down because that's his uh, his secondary power is yeah. to for his pants to defy gravity. <laughs> but yeah, it's and so he um so then like static is trying to like he basically makes a trade. He trades himself for little Romeo, and then um little Romeo goes back out to try and like rescue static, and they figure out that they're basically being kept on essentially like an old movie studio lot, which is clearly meant to be the Paramount lot based on the, the front gates there. Is that the, is that the most referenced lot? Like, I feel like I, most, most TV shows and they need just like a stand in movie lot. They, they do some form of Paramount. I feel like of the lots that I've been to, it's the only one I can think of that really has like that really pronounced. Entrance. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's a pretty iconic entrance. 
Yeah, because like um, the Disney. Now here's where we get like obnoxious LA people, and we're talking about the the <laughs> studio lots we've been on. But like the Disney lot just kind of looks like you know a, a, kind of a, a really nice entrance to a like corporate park. Same with DreamWorks. Well, but but also Disney. It depends on which one you go to because Disney That's has true. a couple lots. If you go That's to true. the the Burbank lot, they have the uh, the Sorcerer's Hat up front. Right, but it doesn't look like uh, the Paramount lot looks like an old-fashioned movie. It's like it's what you think a movie studio lot would look like. Right. Yeah. You you kind of drive in right to the sound stages. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's comparison to like, yeah, like even Warner Brothers Universal, like you basically just drive on and then you're like just between sound stages and buildings. It doesn't have like this big like grand entrance sort of yeah. thing. Um, Come to uh, LA. We'll give you a tour. Exactly. <laughs> We won't actually take you on the lot, so we'll just drive you up in front of them, like, and then here's the Paramount lot. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about how unimpressed we are. <laughs> yes. We'll just tell you stories of times we were on the lots. We won't yeah. actually take you there ourselves. Well, because we don't want to deal with traffic. No, that's true. It's just kind of a pain, yeah. you know. And, you know what you know, we'll do is we'll, we'll regale you with the tales on the way down to Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> um. But there was another interesting moment here so that, um, you know, when when Leech is trying to steal powers, he gets in a fight with Richie with gear and he chooses not to take gears powers because like, oh, it looks like your whole thing is basically just based off technology. I have nothing to gain. So my question for you, Cameron, is what would have happened if he had actually absorbed Richie's powers, like his, his ability to be a super genius, essentially? I well, So so first off, I love that uh, someone makes a joke and calls gear gizmo instead oh yes especially because right. we we see gizmo a year later in teen titans as one of the great villains because mm-hmm. they're they, they're very similar power sets they both have a backpack that has a lot of gadgets yeah. and gizmos yeah um but yeah what would what would he be i feel like he would have like really bad add for a second because <laughs> richie talks about like one of his problems before building backpack was like he just had so many ideas that he just had to get them out and he had to start making stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so you have this villain who's solely set on one style or one, one story arc. And then he has this new powers like, Oh fuck. Like I gotta, I gotta go build this thing. I thought of like rocket skates. No one's made rocket skates before. <laughs> and that completely forgets his main, his main story. See, I, I feel like what would have happened is he, would have like i feel like that the story tangent would have then become about him building a device that would have like permanently captured his powers oh yeah that that is better um oh cameron i just realized how you can make it a two-parter don't tease me like this chris <laughs> your your favorite everything needs to be a two-parter here uh okay so he goes through the, the episode plays that as it basically does in that moment um he ends up either like deliberately or accidentally um sucking out richie's powers and then he, like, to your point, like, he's all buzzing with energy, he doesn't know what to do, and then he says, like, oh, wait, hang on, I have this idea. And he goes and he builds, like, a backpack-like device that will let him permanently capture someone's powers. And so then he goes to face off against um, Static, and he permanently takes Virgil's powers, and the cliffhanger ending is that, like, now Virgil has no more powers. Oh, shit. That's yeah. good. But and how would they, they stop him two? after that? What? <clears throat> how would they stop him after that? Um... It would probably be like, oh, I don't know. It, it, like, they probably realize like there's some way to like short circuit it, and then if it like destroys the backpack, all of a sudden the powers go back. 
Okay, here here's my pitch to, okay. to jump off that. Uh, so what he does is he realizes he can take the powers, but he doesn't get them immediately. They're kind of stored in like pods, like pills. And what he does oh. is he goes around Dakota and he just steals all of the Big Bang powers. Okay. And then he puts them on like a superhero black market. He's like, you for a price could be a superhero. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so then, so then you have a way for everyone to get their powers back afterward. Okay, <clears throat> like he develops a way to like permanently capture and then transfer those powers. Yeah, so uh, Static can get his powers back. Yeah, but but then then it kind of just turns into a similar episode to Alva's kid. Oh, the the bubble wrap boy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, also, I just realized how we tie in Shaq back into all this. Of course. Uh, Alva's actually working for Shaq this whole time. <laughs> Shaq Wait. is actually the main villain of the whole You're show. Sha- what? You can't have Shaq be the main villain of the show. Has he ever been not a good guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. I How mean, could he? No, he's just like, he's so lovable. Yeah. He couldn't possibly be the bad guy. How dare you? How dare you even suggest such a thing? Because I watched um, The Last Dance for the past like three weeks, I've only been getting sports advertisements recently. Oh, okay. That's uh, a first for ever, I'm sure. It is. Uh, but every now and then I'll get hit with like a, a feel-good video about Shaq. Oh, Shaq. Uh, and there was one recently from, I guess, a couple years ago where these kids were were called on by from a Karen. They got the police called on that for playing basketball on the street. And the police officer came by and kind of like, hey, keep it down. I'm like, I'm going to have to call for backup. And he calls in backup, and in the next car, Shaq comes out and plays basketball with the kids and the police officers. Nice. Suck it, Karen. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> no, you can't. Shaq's a good guy. You can't have him be the bad guy. That's true. Um, but yeah, like, I. But what you, you can't have, Chris, what you can have is Robot Shaq be the bad guy. Now I'm on board. <laughs> Even bigger than Stripe. Yes. How do you defeat your... <laughs> what is the ultimate villain for Shaq? A robot Shaq. A robot Shaq. <laughs> then he'll just have to become Steel in real life to take it down. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. <laughs> the world could use uh, Steel Shaq. So, but yeah, I mean, it. you know, the there's like fun dynamics here. Like, this is a, you know, an often used power set with like stealing the hero's powers, but they do a, a pretty good job with it. And they, at least they give him like kind of a distinctive look. Like I feel like they're moving away from having every villain in the show have a purple aesthetic. Cause now he's got this weird, like huge. Like, yeah. It's a very ugly green. green. Yeah. He looks he's like, like he should be aquatic. Like he looks like yeah. a water villain. Well, he's, he literally has like little suckers on his hands, like all across his fingers. Yeah. And I thought it was weird that they never like do a, like a money shot with that. You know, you're kind of waiting for like, Oh a yeah. That'd be such a good, like, yeah, like a, it's act. Yeah. Act two break. Yeah. With him like leaning in, like hands heading towards the camera, like all these little suckers, like maybe it was too gross. It might've been too gross. Um, also what's that, what's that, um, condition where you have like the phobia where you're afraid of like holes and things. You know oh yeah, 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 yeah. That would just totally set people uh, off. It's it's that. just being a gay man. What? What? I have I have a, I have a fear of holes. <laughs> um, try tripophobia. I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong. Tripophobia, maybe. Fear yeah. of holes. Yeah, skin. it's a fear of or disgust of closely packed holes. Yeah. Ugh. 
I don't know why they like I I don't have this fear, but I feel like every oh god uh like right. You don't, you don't, that. you, you cannot have the fear and then look at the, uh, like the Google image search, which I, I highly recommend people don't do because a lot of it is focused on like various skin conditions that result in people having like a bunch of closely packed holes. And it is absolutely horrifying. There's, um, there's an anime villain who has a really cool power and now I'm grossed out by it. Um, where he, he's from a village where people, and I, I think this might be based off a real culture from mm -hmm. from history uh where they pierce every part of their body and they kind of gauge different parts of their body so when they move their arms um they get like a whistle sound oh, and their whole body kind of becomes this musical instrument and the way he oh. fights is he basically hypnotizes it's it's kind of similar to like capoeira yeah. where uh, as he fights he kind of hypnotizes the, his opponent with the sound that his body makes that's clever yeah uh, but he, he's a very gross looking villain because he just I has these giant holes all over his body. Yeah, I, I could see that just being a little bit wrong, kind of the way the leech is here. Um, but no, I mean, it works pretty good as a, a setup to have that type of villain appear. Um, you know, it's it's kind of fun to see, you know, a moment where Static's locked up with his other villains and they're all kind of put in the same sort of boat. And of course, like his villains betray him. Yeah, to, uh, you know, to fall victim to uh, to leech, and it's also fun to see little Romeo, who you know one would presume in this world is a bigger deal than Static, but have this you know genuine, real um, love and appreciation, and and you know admires Static and looks up to him, and like you know it's his favorite superhero. Like it it works. It's a cool little moment to have in there. Oh, one of my favorite lines that that Romeo has is when he's locked up uh, from from leech. He says, "Yo, man, if you mess with me, you mess with my posse." And he says, "I'm not scared of a, if, I'm not scared of a street gang." He says, "No, not them, my lawyers." Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's our 20 year old man." <laughs> no, it's um, there's our born fun. and bred American. No, it's it's a fun moment, and like it, it, it's weird because at one point, Static tells romeo like what his weakness is which is like clearly just telegraphing that later on uh romeo is going to use like the, the little mini zapper built into his uh, static costume to spray water all over leech disable him um you know it's so, like you kind of know where that's going but it's just like it's this weird moment of like static why would you tell someone this like why yeah. would you go around advertising like the one thing that can like actually put you out of commission yeah because romeo could have been the villain the whole time he could have been he could have been you don't yeah. know you don't know you can't trust me he just wanted to take his place that would have been yeah. a good pretty good story though it been good but no i i would agree with you i think this has been the the, the best of the um like the cameo appearances uh we've had so far but that's also because we haven't gotten to the the episode with like the full-on nba team yeah the second shack episode yes <laughs> the non-shack shack episode mm -hmm. uh i don't know any other uh thoughts on this uh I think so. Let me, let me go through my notes. Oh, well, we uh, we have to talk about. Oh, we kind of did talk about it already, didn't we? The physical traits. That, oh that yeah, leech the, takes like, on. the leech will just like whenever it's only when he's using someone's powers, then you know, like. Um, no, because like he always hair. he always has Static's hair, which I feel like is the laziest of them. Like, give him like the glowing eyes. Yeah, it's it's a little bit easy on their part. Mm -hmm. um, Plus the the. The hot streak hair is just so offensive. They really should just use that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's everything. Actually, yeah, that's you raise a good point. Like, 
he could have at the same time his own horrifically ugly teeth ebon's like purple color palette uh hot streaks awful hair and talon's wings all going at the same time yeah because i i mean i'm such a sucker for um for these kinds of villains because i think the one that i bring up a lot is the main villain from winner take it all which is the season two episode of teen titans uh where it's all of the the male heroes fight against each other in the tournament of the the champion of champions tournament Mm -hmm. but in reality it's the champion is the one that absorbs everyone's powers and he has like uh cyborgs the, the, the one that doesn't make sense is cyborg's mechanical arm that's not a power that's a a mechanical add-on um uh, but he has like uh one arm from wildebeest one arm from uh from cyborg uh he has like speedy's arrows he can shoot out again not a power that's another mm-hmm. add-on um does he have robin's butt no, he doesn't absorb Robin because Robin is the one that, that that wins. Of course, he is. Uh, he has Gizmo's backpack again, not a power, an add-on. <laughs> I'm really starting to to, un, to yeah. Are, are you sure you love this episode, Cameron? <laughs> I don't think I do. Are you I'm, sure? I'm trying to find a lot of holes in this in this power absorption system. Uh, careful, you might develop tryptophobia. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, shall we mosey on here? Let's do it. All right, so I uh, we'll figure we'll do a, a Cameron's question corner this week. Oh, uh, what's your question for us this week, Cameron? Uh, my question this week, bump it, bump, bump, question corner with Cameron. I'm gonna figure one out. That one, that one wasn't good. Just give me a couple <laughs> weeks. I'm gonna figure one out. Uh, my question this week is: uh, You can walk onto the set of any movie in the history of cinema and walk out with one prop or costume. What do you ooh. grab? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so. Worth clarifying, this is not you can go, like, you, like, can visit any set you want. The specific thing is you're going there to get a prop or a costume. Yeah, I'll, I'll like, say you're limited to, like, a three-minute time travel experience. Okay. Even though so you, you have two minutes. Something. You have a two-minute time travel experience to grab one thing. Okay. I, I feel like a, at one point in my life, I would have said maybe going on to the set of Star Wars and getting one of the lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point now, like... I have like full on like prop quality lightsabers that light up and I can twirl around. And so I, I probably wouldn't go for that anymore. I... Uh, okay. All right. This makes me sound like a bit of an obvious cliche, uh, but I would probably go for the original Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger. Okay. Interesting. Cause I also said a car. Was it the DeLorean from back to the future? It is not the DeLorean from back to the future. It is the Mach five from speed racer. Oh, good shout. Because I feel like, good like of the cars, of the like prop cars you see driving around LA, like you see a couple, uh, you see a couple Batmobiles, you see a couple. Have you DeLoreans. seen Batmobiles on the street? What? Yeah, have I've seen, seen Batmobile. Yeah, I've seen people drive the the nineteen sixty six Batmobile. You have? Yeah, what? I've seen I've seen one in LA, one in San Diego, and one in Dallas. Oh no shit! Mm-hmm. Wait, but it was like part of a event, or was it like literally just on the street? No, just driving. Yeah, just driving through like a downtown area. Shocking. Yeah, uh, and I've seen that. a couple DeLoreans, not driving around, but but I've seen them weird enough in the Disneyland parking lot. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah, like full on. I I saw one heading back from Palm Springs once. Uh, the full on like kitted out Back to the Future DeLorean. Uh, yeah, but I never see a Mach 5 just driving around. 
And I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because, you know, the whole thing with it, you could buy a DeLorean and you could kit it out or you yeah, know, you, can just, you can custom... staple a smoothie maker on its on its front. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there are co- you know, companies that will build <laughs> the 1960s Batmobile. Like there's like an actual like custom market for it. But I guess like, yeah, the Mach 5, it's maybe a little bit too specialized, maybe partly because that movie wasn't as maybe successful. maybe like in Japan. They're like that might be like the prop car you see, maybe. But that that would be cool. Like, and they're the the live action version of that car is absolutely beautiful. Um, too. My other my other answer, it's it's kind of dumb because it is just like something you could buy somewhere like the lightsaber thing. But just mm-hmm. to say that I had it would be the basketball from Space Jam. Mm, I could see that. Yeah, like, that would be cool. I could see you really wanting that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just kind I'm kind of looking around my apartment to see if there's like any other props. Wait, what? Uh, like, not the the Green Lantern from Green Lantern? Okay, Chris, Chris, I have a story to tell you, and it's one that makes me very angry. Shocking! It is the 2010 Comic Con. I'm in Hall H at the WB panel on Saturday. Uh, it is their their multi part panel, so it starts with Wolfman and Benicio del Toro's there, who's like only like 15 percent actually there because he was definitely on something. Well, it's Benicio del Toro. Um, Far for the course. So everyone's kind of like is, is is very lackluster about the Wolfman movie coming out, um, but then the big guns come out and they and uh, and Ryan Reynolds walks out. Ryan Reynolds and Blake, Blake Lively, mm-hmm. uh, and not Taika Waititi. I wish he was there. I, mean, oh. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have noticed back then. No. Um, and there's this beautiful moment where everyone in the audience kind of stands up. We all say the Green Lantern oath together. It was beautiful and bright as day and black as night. No girl shall escape my sight. With those who worship people my power of yep. light. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Um, okay. You know, I <laughs> on the tangent. I said that on a date <laughs> a couple of months ago. You, wait. Oh my uh, god. I'm, I'm I know. Afraid, I know. I'm afraid I'm to ask. Enemy. But how? How did the Green Lantern oath come up on a date? She was at my apartment, and I was <laughs> showing her my ring collection. Back on back on topic. Oh, I know. Uh-huh. I'm a horrible person. Um, I don't know if it makes you a horrible person. Okay, I'll, to 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 play the story out even maybe, worse, maybe a little bit of a clueless one. Here, here's here's what actually happened. I didn't even say the Green Lantern Oath. I said the Blue Lantern Oath, which is one that like even <laughs> less people know. In Fearful Day and Rage Night, with strong guards full of souls, the night when all is lost in the war of light, looked at the stars for hope burns bright. And I looked at her after I said that, and I just apologized. Uh, and and she didn't really say anything after that. But that's that's where I am right now, Chris. You, audience, you you can't see this obviously. I my face is buried in my own hands, <laughs> out of like sympathy, embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So so going back to the 2010 story, um, there's a beautiful moment where we all said the oath together, um, <laughs> and then they open it up for Q and A, and this little kid walks up. And just like you know, there's there's rules when you go to when you go to panels and conventions, you don't ask for things. Um, like someone who usually asks for the name card at the front because it's a piece of paper because no one cares about that. But this kid had the audacity to go up and be like, "Hey, Mr. Reynolds, can I have the Green Lantern ring that you're wearing right now, the one from the movie?" And he just fucking gives it to him. I'm like, son of a bitch, that's my ring. Wait, as the 14 year old entitled kid that I am, how? Mm. how old was this kid i was like seven 
Okay. Like he's he's so, past the age. Like he's it's still like a cute age. But if you're like a four year old asking that, then it's like, oh yeah, I can't say no to a four year old. I th- okay, a seven year old. You also can't say no to. You can you say no to crush. a seven year old. My mom did it all the time. Not the same. Absolutely <laughs> not the same. And also, okay. Do you feel like if you had been like able to beat that kid into the line? And by that I mean if you had raced over and shoved him out of the way so you get in front of him in line. And if you had asked that question, he would have given it to you because you were fourteen. No, no, because I had the common courtesy to not ask for things as the rule at Comic Con. <laughs> Cameron. You, you, you just told a story about reciting the Blue Antern Oath on a date, and yet somehow you found a way to even further out Cameron yourself by <laughs> holding a decade-long grudge against a seven-year-old who got a Green Lantern ring. Not a Green Lantern ring, the Green Lantern ring. <laughs> it could have gone so well with the rest of my collection. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh. Think of the stories I could tell to the other girls that I bring here. <laughs> In your Mach 5? In my Mach 5, yeah. Ugh, I'm going to be alone forever, aren't I? I didn't say it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, though, for people. Uh, what would your... What would your prop oh, be? I need to apologize slash, for slash would you mug a seven-year-old to steal his Green Lantern ring? Yes, which I'm I sure would. Cameron would consider doing. If only for a fleeting second. Um, but all right, along those lines, should we do uh, some notes from friends here? Oh, yeah, I just feel bad now. Do you, feel bad, be- do you feel bad because you still hold this grudge? Or you just feel bad because you remember it as such a painful memory? No, I feel bad, yeah, for, for talking about that date. That was rough. <laughs> that was a bad time for me. Dude, you you brought it up. I didn't say anything. I know. I have a, I, I'm, I'm, a self, uh, I'm a self-saaboteur. Again, I didn't say it. I hope but my mom doesn't listen disagree to this part. With it. Yeah, mom, skip ahead. <laughs> you don't need to hear this. <laughs> it's, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah, well, what right. are some notes from friends? Uh, okay, so we got some uh, a few notes from friends. Um, uh, I missed some last week, so my apologies. So catching up on them now. Uh, but just a uh, just a, a couple shout outs here. So shout out to uh, the Overoid on Twitter. Uh, who was kind enough to uh, congratulate us on 150 episodes. And uh, I guess he was listening to it while going for his walk on Spotify. So, uh, yeah, thanks for yeah. listening. And thanks, thanks for so much. Um, also, shout out to uh, to Paul Hill, who uh, we've mentioned before in the podcast. Great artist, Paul Hill. He um, responded to our question that we put out as part of our 150th episode, which was what is the uh, the best and worst of the DCAU. And he said that since he barely considers Zeta part of the DCAU, he would consider Superman the worst part. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. That's fair. I would also agree with that too. Uh, Yeah. You kind of, there's not a lot of great in that show. They're still trying to find their footing. It's what? They're trying to find their footing still. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to figure things out, but it's, uh, it's okay. Um, And then uh, Ashley Clark wrote to us, uh, we were talking about Looney Tunes last week and uh, she had a point, which is that the original Looney Tunes like had a, a sophistication to it. And so I was curious, do you think maybe that's what's missing from the the new series on HBO Max that um, you're, you're trying to kind of punt your finger on what was off? Do you think it's just yeah. the sophistication of the original? I, I, I also had a conversation about someone about this with someone a couple of days ago. Um, I think I think it's the the split between writing for a family and writing for kids. Because the okay. Looney Tunes and a lot of shows kind of pre-1970 where all the animation was for a family. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then kind of once you had the Saturday morning cartoon lineup come out, then it was kind of targeted younger. Um, then of course you have the Simpsons coming out after that, which, which kind of tried to transition it back to being a family show. And they went a little too old, but that's, that's a different conversation. Uh, but yeah, the old Looney Tunes was family where this is a kid's show with adult jokes, which is not the same tone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Ashley. I, I feel like that's kind of a lot of animation now that, that does that exactly what you just described. Like, I feel like in terms of animated comedies, like Shrek was maybe one of the last ones. that oh, was like yeah. kind of writing for everyone rather than like, it has like adult jokes in there, but usually those jokes still land to some degree with kids. It's not like it's just jumping between like, okay, this joke is for this audience and this joke is for this other audience, like all across the board. Like it's kind of appreciated on multiple levels. Yeah. I mean, since since that movie is just all parody, you kind of have to be a certain age to understand parody. Yeah, that's true. And also like, I don't know how well those movies hold up now. Oh, they're still great. I mean, they're still great for us because we still (laughs) remember all the references they're pulling from. Um, but like, I don't know how well that would work now for a modern audience. Like, I feel like those references are pretty timeless though. Cause it's all like Snow White and Cinderella and, and yeah. Disney Renaissance. I mean, there's, there's like stuff that like they all, they some, can see. There's, you know, like some matrix references in the first one. Oh, that um, is true. I forgot about the matrix reference. I, I yeah. keep thinking of Lord Farquaad, you know, and as, uh, you know, Scoob has proven a Simon <clears throat> Cowell reference is always timeless. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh God. How did that movie mess up so much? It was such uh, an easy, it was such an easy cash grab. I, I made, I made my mistake of going down that path. I'm, I'm backpedaling, immediately no, 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 backpedaling. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. There. I'm done. I'm um, too tired. But Ashley also wrote in to answer our question about um, if you had a kid who was super powered, like a, a Superman or Hercules, or was even immortal. You know, at what age would you tell them? And uh, and right. her answer was that she would tell them the truth asap. In both instances, uh, there are much fewer circumstances where the truth is not the best way to go than people want to admit. Uh, if trust is broken between parent and child, it causes trust issues well into their adult life. And an immortal with those kinds of issues? No, thank you. Uh, I would tell them as early as they could comprehend, especially the Superman case. Uh, the Kents had no idea if those things were just going to end up like wrong or being different. So it wouldn't make sense for them to not give him some kind of awareness. Um, so basically, she had the same answer you did which was like, tell them early, normalize it, uh, rather than wait until they're like old enough to experience trauma from learning the truth, which was what I suggested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, you guys are, are, are much better people and would make much better parents uh, than I would. Um, but no, thank you, uh, everyone, for writing in, especially Ashley, for, uh, for answering that question. And uh, I think from there, shall we do some bat plugs? Let's do some plugs. All right. Uh, what do you got this week, Cameron? Uh, I, okay. I, I need to, to take this moment to talk about something very near and dear to my heart. Cause I watched something that kind of changed my life this week. It definitely oh. opened my eyes to a whole new world. Okay. Uh, I watched Dick Tracy. Dear God, why? Cause it was on HBO max and I went through and I added everything alphabetically and, and I made it to the D's. Wait, wait, wait. You, you added everything? I mean, not everything. I added all the stuff that I hadn't seen before, and that was like piquing my interest. Okay. Uh, and so I watched, I watched uh, Dick Tracy out of pure curiosity. 
because i've heard it, it's a pretty divisive film i feel like i feel like people really hate it or, or mildly enjoy it so for for those that don't know we're referring to, referring to warren Sorry, the, Beatty's, the 1990s yeah warren Beatty's Dick yeah, Tracy. 1990 um adaptation of the dick tracy comic uh, uh, which i have never seen because i've heard it's insane it's 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 so weird uh and and there's something what I, what I really enjoy about it, and it kind of goes back to what would I steal from a movie set, mm-hmm. is all the prosthetics to make these characters look so bizarre. They're so gross to the level where like, you just can't stop looking at them. Oh my god! Uh, like my favorite is my name. My favorite is Flat Top. Uh, oh god! Yeah, I I kind of would steal one of the prosthetic masks probably. Um. Yeah, there's like flat top and prune face, and then Al Pacino plays Big Boy Caprice, who who his is his isn't like interesting. It's just kind of gross, gross. Who thought this was a good idea? Warren Beatty, because he had he he funded the movie by himself. My God, uh, he was producer, director, and lead actor. Uh, oh, and I went down no. a deep, deep rabbit hole into Dick Tracy and lore and history after watching that movie. So uh, your your reaction after watching this movie was to dive further into Dick Tracy, not run away from it as far and fast as you could. Well, just because I had to know what led to this, I had to know how <laughs> how this came to be. How did this come to exist? Yes, uh, and I, I started to piece together a couple things. The movie basically was like twenty five years in the making. Um, and yeah, this is the final product we got. It's not bad. I'll say it's not bad. Like the prosthetics are great. The costuming is beautiful. The sets have the same like oversaturation as like a Scott Pilgrim and a Speed Racer. Okay. Uh, which I really, really appreciate. Um, but the story is bad. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely a unique film. And I understand the divisiveness on it. Oh my God. Well, power to you for for watching this because this looks absolutely nuts uh and then a second plug still still on hbo max because i'm, I'm kind of deep into that world right now um i messaged you about this and you, you watched it right before right before we recorded this um elmo has a late night show that that's very cute yeah. very young uh and this week's guest was batman it was really really cute uh yeah and it it's it's kind of just corny enough where it feels 60s uh, it kind of covers all of the Batman bases in this kind of ten, not ten minutes, like this five minute bit. Yeah, because uh, the I think like the full episode is like fifteen minutes. I only watched through the Batman part, which was like five. Yeah, that. Um, um, it's very cute. Uh, no, it and, is. And, and we we you I think you commented this beforehand that the costume is like a top tier theme park costume. Yeah, uh, like yeah, you wouldn't like, see this in movies at all, but it's it's yeah. still like a very cool cool look on, on for him yeah it's, it's a well done you know like comic style costume that you know definitely still looks a little bit plasticky like it wouldn't it would never be believable in a world where that's supposed to actually like function as a superhero suit and save your life but it's totally fine as like yeah like theme park kids birthday party slash elmo show yeah um but no it was like it was it's cute the show is like a nice like you know sweet you know sincere tongue-in-cheek kind of approach and i was like oh this is actually really adorable it's a it's a clever idea that they've yeah. seemed to be doing pretty well with so and, uh, and ne- neither of us are sesame street people like we, we didn't really no. grow up on the show no not really like not um really. so it's it's cool to kind of like see a glimpse into that world 
yeah, it's it's. I was impressed. Mm -hmm. I was actually quite impressed by it. Uh, but yeah, what what have you been watching, reading, listening? Um, so I I've been trying to spend some time um this week sort of uh educating myself a little bit and getting a, a slightly different perspective and better understanding what's happening right now. And so I watched the uh, Ava DuVernay documentary Thirteenth on Netflix. Oh yeah, which is a, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the the kind of whole point behind it is um, that the Thirteenth Amendment, which was uh, designed to abolish slavery in the United States, uh, actually has a caveat in it um, that limits that protection if you've been convicted for a crime. So essentially it means that if you are convicted of a crime, you can still be more or less a slave. And that that condition has become the root of like legalized uh, oppression, particularly for the black community ever since. And so it sort of charts the history of, um, you know, after the civil war, then it became the era of, um, Jim Crow. And then, you know, after the civil rights movement in the sixties, it all became this sort of like manufactured war on drugs. Um, and how that was basically just designed to send a shitload of people again, primarily black into the you know, prison system. Um, and the, it, you know, it just charts like how the po prison population continues to grow and grow and grow. And it's an incredibly, heartbreaking frustrating um eye-opening documentary in it. and it goes a long way to explaining how we have come to be in the situation we're in now and it's it's also just incredibly well made i mean ava duvernay is a fantastic filmmaker um you know and it's up on netflix highly highly recommend watching that so i watched that this week and then i also listened to this podcast called running from cops uh, which essentially um, dives into the impact that the TV show Cops has had on our country. You know, you, I don't even know Cops is still on, to be honest, but it is still like wildly syndicated and has also led to um, sort of like copycat shows like Live PD, which do a very similar thing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, essentially what it talks about is how the show itself will cut a lot of legal corners to manufacture entertainment while defending themselves because they claim to be like a form of news more or less. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you, you've made reference before to the idea of like, there's an era of the Simpsons that was written by people who grew up on the Simpsons. So they're basically just like writing what they remember the Simpsons to be like. And rather tragically, we have a similar situation where you have a whole like generation of, you know, working cops now who grew up watching the show cops and that's what they think cops should behave like, even though a lot of the methods they use in that show are like really extreme and oftentimes illegal. Yeah. And it's a really interesting insight into, um, cultural consequences of entertainment. And, you know, I think it's relevant to anyone who's a creative. I, at the moment work in unscripted television. So it, it was very relevant to, you know, what I work on and the people I work with. And, I think it's really um, important and eye-opening for people to understand like what the consequences of that can be intended or otherwise. Um, so yeah, highly recommend that. And um, always, these will be down in the uh, the show notes you guys can go check out. So uh, if, there, there's so. another kind of side piece to that um, or kind of, kind of two things really quick on, on kind of the show cops Vox did a really cool kind of short video talking about kind of how cops came to be, how the show cops came to be as well, kind of coming out of oh, the writer's okay. strike. Um, and different police chiefs using it as a way to kind of push themselves up in popularity. Mm, yeah. Um, 
but kind of closer to, to what you were talking about, there's this great um, calendar that these two women set up called Justice in June, okay. where it's these, um, it's kind of three calendars and they broke it up with how much time you can spend each day kind of educating yourself on black culture and black history. So there's one for like 10 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day, and 45 minutes a day oh, that, really that kind of goes into, yeah, like books you can read, podcasts you can listen to, movies and TV shows you can watch. And a lot of them have kind of the, the two things that you recommended. They they all have um, 13th on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really, really cool. And it's a great way to just kind of keep learning about this, you know, huge injustice that we've been dealing with, that, that they've been dealing with for so long. Uh, and, and kind of very digestible bits. That's a really great way to like break things down and to find, you know, whatever you can do to try and make a change right now. And, you know, we said at the top of the show and, you know, say it again now, like education is a big part of that. And, you know, I think education is also a cornerstone of empathy. And I think we could all use a little more um, empathy at the moment. So, yeah, uh, check out all those just to see things from a different perspective and to better understand what's happening. But uh, I think with that, we're done for the week. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we would love to, you know, if hear your recommendations. If there's anything you've been watching or, or reading or listening this last week that has helped open your eyes a little bit and you think would be valuable for people to to also check out, um, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, would also love to hear people's responses to you know the question we kind of uh, brought up at the beginning of the show, which is. You know, uh, was Static Shock a a really big moment for you in finding you know representation on screen, or if there's another character that to you really made you feel seen for the first time? Would love to hear what those stories are, um, and um, yeah, reach out to us and let us know. Uh, and then you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, uh, and if you want to see my art, you can find that at camera.dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at camdexter underscore adventures. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with some more Static Shock. Let's see what's coming up here. Uh, ooh. Ooh. We're getting um, a return of a great Superman villain, Toy Man. Yes. Yeah, we got our, our Superman crossover next week. Yes. Uh, Toy Man and Darcy will be back next week. Very much looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, but until then, thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Superhero Static Shock. Whoop, whoop. Superhero Static Shock.